Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. Uh, turn in your Bible this morning. I want you just to mark that place and we'll get there. Second Samuel chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Um, but before we, we get to that, uh, I want to kind of talk a little bit about uh, where we're headed this morning. Uh, the title I've given my message this morning is Keep Believing. 1 Timothy 3 and 9 says this. The Bible speaks concerning, it says, Holding to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And the more I follow Jesus, the more mysterious and unexplained faith becomes. And we live in the tension and the contradictions of faith. How many of you have ever lived in that contradiction of faith? You pray and you believe for something and you contend and then it doesn't happen. And it's a contradiction of faith. It is this, this mystery of faith, the same prayer of faith that worked in one environment and yet in a very similar environment, that same prayer didn't have the same result. And I, I don't understand that. Can I, be, can I be very real and transparent this morning? I don't understand when a prayer works here and it doesn't work over here. This week, my, my friend Andrew died. Some of you knew him. Some of you contended with us for his miracle. Some of you believed that God would raise him out of his sickbed. And the obvious questions arise. Andrew has died. Why, why does God heal some and not others? Those questions are real. Did we not pray enough? Did we not believe enough? Is there something we should have done? Should we have fasted more? We can ask all of those questions. And let me say to you this morning, those questions are okay. I want you to know that God is not intimidated by your questions. And of course, there's the religious answers that always have the answers, even though they've probably never even seen a miracle in their own life. But I want to take heart from the Bible this morning. And I want to turn to the Word of God because this is what I live and breathe. And so in 2 Samuel, that's where we're going to be this morning. And we're going to start at verse 13. It says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord, is, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David so that he was very sick. David therefore inquired of God for the child. And David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead, since he might do to himself harm? But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, 
and changed his clothes. And he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his, his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her. And she gave birth to a son, and he named him Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and sent word through Nathan the prophet, and he named him Jedidiah for the Lord's sake. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would give me the anointing that makes preaching easy, that I might communicate your heart to your people this morning, God. That, Father, when we live in the tension between two worlds of believing and contending and miracles and the tension of them not coming to pass. God, I pray this morning that I could communicate your heart to your people, that we would keep believing. Father, I thank you for your presence this morning. I'm completely and totally dependent on you. Let your word be alive to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Story in 2 Samuel's well-known. David commits what the Bible amounts to the act of murder in order to remove the husband of Bathsheba, whom he had committed adultery with. Bathsheba has a son to David, and the prophet Nathan comes to the king, boldly exposing David's sin and finally declaring the child will die. David repented and held hope for the life of the child, and so for seven days David fasted and he prayed. He laid on the ground, he did not move, he did not eat. He fasted and he prayed, and his servants, the elders of the house, they were concerned for his health. Here's their king, and they're, they're saying, David, get up and eat. David, stop praying. But he refused, and on the seventh day, the child died. And then David did what for them was a strange thing. So David got up from the ground, washed, this is verse 20, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he asked, they served him food, and he ate. David did something that to many of us and to the household elders seemed strange. He just got up and he started living again. While the child was alive, there was an opportunity for a miracle. But now that the child was dead, he had to accept it and get on with living. And now it doesn't mean the unanswered question of why did God not heal Andrew is ignored. That question is not ignored. That question is still very alive in my own heart this morning. As I am wrestling through the contradictions of faith. But David did something here. He, he went back to the one who gives life and takes life. The first thing he did was to go to the source of all life, of all wisdom and understanding. And then he had a meal. And what a confusion to the rest of the household Tradition would have meant that once the child had died, the household would go into mourning, not have a meal. This was not normal custom for the king and for that culture at that time. That wouldn't be customary for our culture. We would go into a time of, of, of mourning for, for the child, and yet David gets up and he eats. And in verses 22 and 23, he says, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept for us. I said, Who knows? 
The Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And I want to talk about the five things that David did in this passage. And I want to encourage us this morning to follow this pattern. The first thing that he did was he arose from the ground. This is the place of wrestling with God in your own heart. It's the place where you get messed up a bit because the enemy wants to convince you it's your fault. You didn't pray enough. This wouldn't have happened if you had had done this. This wouldn't have happened if, if you had fasted enough. It, it wouldn't have happened if you if you'd maybe prayed longer, maybe if you hadn't slept. These are the things that the enemy came to me with this week. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself this morning because I'm living in the contradiction of faith this morning. There's a wrestling in my heart and, and David was on the ground. He was wrestling on the ground. He was wrestling through this place. He knew he had sinned. He knew he had messed up and, and the prophet Nathan had come to him and said, the child will die. And David, understanding who God was, began to contend with God for mercy. He began to wrestle. This is where your mind bounces around with the questions of who is to blame with the thought, if I'd only done more. It's the place where we genuinely wonder, does God hear my cries? It's messy there on the ground. The ground is messy. It's the wrestling away. We, if we spend enough time there, out comes all the attitudes. Maybe the anger with God. Can we be real this morning? Because I know y'all aren't more holy than I am. There's an anger that comes out. There's a wrestling. God, why did you not answer the prayer? As I've wrestled through Andrew's situation, God, he's got three kids and a baby due in several weeks. God, you could have healed him. God, things were looking good. The self-will, the self-opinions, the pride. But God, I prayed. I contended. Still didn't happen. The struggle often is not about the object of our prayer, but the object of our hearts. The real mess comes up when God messes with our hearts. And finally, when our self-will is broken, it's time to arise. I think sometimes we can arise too soon. I think some people do arise too soon. They haven't worked it out on the ground. There's a process that takes place on the ground. There's a process when we get real before God, He begins to work through those emotions, and, and we need the time on the ground. Hear me this morning, church. You need to let God have His time on the ground. Don't try and get up too soon. If you're still grieving, that's okay. You spend as much time on that ground as you need. But don't stay too long. Don't stay too long on the ground. You take as much time as you need, but don't stay on the ground. Because there comes a time to arise. See, the tragedy for many is they never stop the wrestling. They spend their whole life on the ground. They spend their whole life angry at God. They spend their whole life here on the ground saying, God, I don't, I don't understand you. God, I don't get you. God, you, you aren't good. And those lies and the enemy. See, on the ground is where God meets us, but it's also where the enemy meets us. See, 
It was said of Peter, I've given the enemy permission to sift you like wheat. It's on the ground that the sifting happens. It's on the ground that there's a a transference, a transformation. There's something that happens on the ground. And if you need the time on the ground, take the time on the ground. But listen, don't stay longer than God's on the ground. God will meet you on the ground, but don't stay there with the enemy. Don't make your bed there. Don't don't build camp on the ground because there comes a time where we have to get up. There comes a time where we have to rise up. I've met people like that. People who are constantly referring back to the inner recesses of their hearts trying to find some other hidden dark corner of devilry that can explain why they never quite feel right. Those people who are so introspective, they spend their whole life trying to figure out what's wrong with them, trying to figure out what what person they need to forgive. Sometimes you just need to get up. Just get off the ground. You'll have more times on the ground, I promise you. You don't have to stay on the ground. David knew when the child had died that the wrestling was over. The time had come to get up. And the second thing that he did was he washed himself. In washing all the filth, the dust of the fight is removed. The residual grime is washed away because in the wrestling We often say things and pray things and think things that on reflection we wish we hadn't. How many of you ever had to repent for things you said on the ground? I'll be honest. I said some things on this ground the other night that I had to go back to God and say, God, I'm sorry. But it was on the ground. And then there's a wrestling. When the fight of life is on, we do many things we regret arguments and statements made with people, decisions made in the heat of the battle we now regret we made. But see, none of it matters to God because He's much bigger than that. We don't keep the filth of the fight on us. We wash it off. We start a new day. We get cleaned up and we get ready to face what life brings us because we cannot carry the muck of the battle into the next day. See, people carry over regrets deep sense of failure for what went on in the battles of life. I was in that wrestling. God, did I not pray enough? Those questions are real. But God says, wash it off. Put it away. Start a new day, not bringing into the new day the filth of the old fight. The third thing that David did is he anointed himself. When having been in a battle and maybe we won, maybe we lost, we can often wonder, is God still with me? Is the presence of God still there to be drawn from? Is the anointing of God still present to minister? And the question is most importantly asked when we previously applied the anointing into a situation and that situation failed to turn. We can wonder, is God still with me? You know, in 2019, the church arose and we prayed for Pastor Anna and she lived. Very similar situation. Very similar situation. And yet Andrew died. And the wrestling and the contending and the questions. Does that mean the anointing has gone? 
that we have so failed God and his word that the anointing will be lifted, let me tell you this morning, no. It's just we don't always understand everything that's going on. And in those times, we affirm once again the great promises of the word of God and reinforce them over our lives. I began, I'll be honest, last night as I was, as I, I, I wrote most of this message before Andrew had died. Because I felt the Lord saying, prepare your heart. But I, I want to tell you, until the moment I got that text message that he had entered heaven, I was contending and I was believing that God, the God of miracles, could do the impossible. But as I was wrestling last night, I had to begin to make some faith statements. I'm anointed by God. I have a river flowing from my innermost being. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have this treasure in my earthen vessel. Yes, it does mean doing this in the face of failure and disappointment. The object of our faith and anointing died. All of my faith for weeks was centered in on one miracle, and then the miracle didn't come to pass. And so we stand in the contradiction and we stand in the empty place. But I know, I know that when I arise, when I wash it away and I reanoint my life to face the next challenge, because who knows, it could have a different outcome next time. We're contending for Randy Herndon now. It's like from one miracle to another. And I'm saying, God, Randy cannot die. I still believe. I will keep believing. Because even though one miracle didn't happen, the next time I just might see the miracle. I cannot afford to give up hope. You cannot afford to give up hope. You cannot afford. I am bankrupt without hope. I'm bankrupt without faith. Nothing works without hope. Nothing works without faith because it's in Him I live and it's in Him I move and it's in Him I have my being. And so when I get up off the ground and I wash myself and I begin to anoint myself again, I'm making a declaration. The enemy didn't win. You cannot afford to let the enemy win by losing the anointing around your life, by staying on the ground, because that's where the enemy wins. The enemy doesn't win when you stand up. The enemy wins when you stay on the ground. And I want to prophesy to you this morning, some of you need to get off the ground. Some of you need to stand up. Some of you need to wash yourselves. And some of you need to anoint yourselves again. Jesus. The fourth thing that he did is he changed his clothes. Galatians 3 and 27. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. It's then in this changing of the clothes that we reconnect with the author of our faith. See, in the changing seasons of lives, in the raging battles of living in faith, there is what? There is but one constant that Jesus is the same yesterday. He is the same today and he will be the same tomorrow. He's our friend. 
He is our Lord. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the Lily of the Valley. He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is the Sweet Fragrance of Love. He is the Rock of our Salvation. He is unmovable. He is unchanging. His love is unstoppable. He will be. He was. And He's coming back again. He is. He rules. He reigns. His throne is not moved by our situations or our circumstances. And so I've got to change my clothes. I've got to clothe myself once again with Christ because in doing so, we are thrusting ourselves back upon the foundations of our faith. Faith in Christ and Christ alone. Faith in His love. These are the certain and sure foundations of our Christian faith that His love never fails. And whatever we arose from, the death of Andrew, the death of a promise, whatever it means for you, it pales in significance when we once again center our lives at Christ. Pales in significance. And the fifth thing that he did is he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Psalm 29 and 2. Give unto the Lord the glory do unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When I got the text from Amber, she simply said, Andrew's with Aiden. Aiden is his son who died a couple years ago. All I could do was worship. All I could do, all that came out of me was that song we sang earlier. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I mean, I sang it so loud in my house, I probably drove everyone else crazy. I sat at the piano and I banged away on those keys and I wept and I cried and I declared that all of my life he's been faithful because worship achieves two things. The first thing is it changes our perspective. As we come once again to worship and in worship, we are reminded once again of how awesome he is. It also brings down the presence of God around us and therein realize that God is is still with us. That sense of God being drawn near to us through our worship stills all the accusations because I'm going to be honest, as soon as I got that text, the first thought I had was, I failed. And the second thought I had was, all my life, you have been faithful. Because when we get back to worship, when we get back to that place, it's like coming home. Worship is like coming home. It brings peace once again into the troubled heart. It pours hope once again into our lives. Worship exalts the nature and character of God. My friend Chris Stockwell penned this so wonderfully. He said, worship was Andrew's native tongue. And, and, and I'll be honest, as soon as I knew that, that Andrew had, had passed from this life into the presence of God, I knew that the loudest worshiper I knew had stepped through the gates of heaven. And the least I could do in bringing honor to a man on earth was to honor God. 
in your circumstances, the least you can do is bring honor to God through worship. But it's the most powerful thing you can do. When all is said and done, God is God, unchanging and ever the same. Worship exalts the nature and character of God. The second perspective I want to give you this morning coming out of the story of David has to do with the very nature and mystery of faith. I keep believing because God's word remains unchanging. I keep believing because the breakthrough in miracles for the church of Jesus Christ is going to come. And when it does, I want to be on the forefront of the outpouring. I know that there is coming a day where the miracles happen like that. I know there is coming a day when we lay hands on someone, it happens. I know there is coming a day where signs and wonders will break out like never before. And I don't want to miss it because I've lived in disappointment and I've stayed on the ground. I don't want to miss what God is going to do in the earth in the last days outpouring because I missed Him. Because I allowed disappointment to settle into my heart because I chose to stay on the ground because I keep believing that when God pours it out, I want to be front and center. I keep believing because I understand that what we have been through is part of the fight of faith. Because I've come to understand something of what Hebrews 11 speaks of when it says in verses 39 and 40, and all these having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. All of the patriarchs of faith knew that there was a day coming where something better than what they had experienced and God reserved a time for you and I that we might experience it. Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Another passage says in Abraham, having seen the day, Abraham on his way to lay Isaac on an altar had a vision of a day where the Messiah would hang on a cross and make a way. Abraham knew, having not received the promise, having not received the promise, died in faith. If I never saw a miracle again, I would want it to be said of my life that Jacob died in faith. But here's what I know. I will see miracles. The equipping church will see miracles. You will see miracles. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know you will. Because that's the God that I serve. So to close this morning. 
What is expressed here is an attitude. And I want you to have an attitude this morning. An attitude of believing God. An attitude that you're going to get up off the ground. You're going to get up off the ground. You're going to wash yourself. You're going to anoint yourself. You're going to change your clothes. And you're going to come into the house of the Lord. And you're going to worship. And when it all is said and done, you're going to see what God has promised. It's what David did. David, he had wept. He had laid there. The miracle didn't happen. But he got up. I don't know why the miracles don't come. I can't explain why Andrew entered heaven. But what I can tell you is that if Andrew were here today, he'd say, get up. If the great patriarchs of the faith could preach to you this morning, they'd say, get up. Don't stay on the ground. Don't stay in your grave clothes. Arise. Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If we want the glory, gotta get up. Keep believing. Don't give up hope. I know disappointment's real. If you're wrestling this morning, I want to pray for you. If you're wrestling with the contradictions of faith, I want to pray for you. I want to minister to you. I want to say to you this morning, you've got to get up. You've got to go on with living. It's hard. I get it. Pain is real. But when you reconnect with the author, and the finisher in your weakness he is strong so this morning if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus you've never made that decision to follow him I want you to do that this morning in saying that Ephesians 2 says that God is rich in mercy. You may be struggling because you feel like God isn't good. But I can tell you He's a lot better than than men make Him out to be. Your situations, your circumstances, the disappointments, God is so much bigger. And He's so So this morning, if you're in this room or you're watching by live stream, you've never chosen to follow Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning to begin that journey. Maybe at one time in your life you followed Him, but today you'd say, I'm far from Him. I'm not close to Him. I'm not living the life that I should. I've, I've got things in my life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning to surrender all that. So if that's you this morning, you're in this room, You're saying you want to give your life to Christ. You want to follow Him. You want to surrender every part of your life to Him. I want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray together this morning. 
Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender all. I repent of my sin and I give my whole life to you. I give it all. My mistakes, my disappointments, my sin, all of it. I lay at your feet. And today I choose to stand up and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or visit www.equippingcenter.us.